Welcome to SVCC Weekly, a weekly podcast from Sangamon Valley Christian Center in Muhammad, Illinois. We hope you enjoy this message from our church, and be sure to check us out online at www.sangamonvalley.net. Search things before you buy them. Um, I'm on a lot of hands. Uh, How many people just let their kids go and watch those crazy, at least I think it is, but it's very popular these days, um, shows where they open up a new toy on YouTube and the kid just sits there and shows you the new toy and what that's like. Have you heard of that? Uh, Surprise eggs. Thank you. Eric obviously has children. Right? There's something new. There's something exciting. They don't even have it in their hands yet. My family, obviously, Andrew and I are expecting, and so just like before I got married, we went through premarital sessions and, and read some book on, books on getting married. One of them was Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts, um, a great book. I don't know, some of you may be familiar with that. Uh, there's a lot of them out there. Love and Respect is another one I know Uncle John is promoting. We've done that as a conference and other good uh, set of materials. There's several of them, and so, you know, you kind of prepare. Uh, I always heard from um, CF. Lewis, some of his writings, that there's wisdom of revelation, and not just revelation from God, but others uh, kind of revelation, revealing things, and there's wisdom of experience. Some people prefer wisdom of experience. Um, Some people, wisdom of experience means they fall down first, and that's how they learn to get back up. Um, I think the other way is a little easier, and so that's why Typically, I go and find a book or something to read and get a little bit of information about. Uh, Mark as a new book, a new tool that was here available to them was something that was exciting, something new that's happening, something that we should read with that excitement. My family, not just Andrew and I expecting, but I have two sisters expecting, and so uh, within the year there will be, let's see, six children under the eight, four and younger within my, uh, me and my siblings. And so, in part, uh, as many of you know as you go down that road, we don't just talk about babies all the time. We also now talk about minivans um, because those that are expanding and have Bethany and Gary specifically, uh, you know, you can't fit three car seats in a typical car. So now you got to expand. Well, if they expand, well, how are grandma and grandpa going to carry the kids around? And so grandma and grandpa are now going backwards and getting minivans and all of those wonderful things. My brother-in-law, in fact, you know, you go and get your new, your new toy, and you go and you get it there, and so he's sitting out in the van, at least the video my sister sent me, and he's going through the user guide. They know every single function of this new car that he has. That's the excitement that you and I should be approaching Mark with, as if it's for the very first time. We've heard these things. We, we've heard stories, and yet now we actually have a record of what we can read, the stories, the real-life stories God breathed writing for you and me. Part of what we looked at last week is the very first verse. It says, in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, or Jesus, the anointed king, the son of God. We began there. This is the beginning of the good news of the Messiah, the son of God, who is Jesus. Then we came down the Chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. In verse 15, it says, Jesus speaking, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. 
repents and believe in the gospel, the good news. It's kind of a summary of now what we're going to read. And so what we've read since then, starting at verse 16 and really going through chapter 3, verse 12, we begin seeing that Jesus has authority. Jesus has authority, and I would say this, as the Son of God, Jesus has authority. Each of these stories highlights that. You can, in fact, read many of the headings. Jesus begins by calling his disciples to himself, and then he demonstrates this authority. Verse 21 of chapter 1 says, Then they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Sounds like an insult to the scribes, probably was. It says, and they were astonished at his teaching. Astonished. He taught differently than those around him. Jesus begins his ministry demonstrating his authority, but it starts with his teaching. He's teaching as one that has authority. Something different is happening. Something new is happening. Goes on down and he casts out a demon. Now the interesting thing in, in at least the accounts that we've, you've read here, if you've been following along, is that when Jesus casts out the demons, the demons even know who he is. And he tells them basically, be quiet, shut up. Don't tell anyone. In fact, it's, it's caused some scholars to, to call this really the messianic secret. In other words, Jesus is the Messiah, but shh, don't tell anyone. And that really could be our question as you read through Mark. At what points is Jesus trying to keep it a secret who he is, and at what points is he okay that others find out? But regardless he clearly is demonstrating the authority that he has as the Son of God. He also demonstrates his authority as one who heals, as one who can forgive sins. In fact, I think there are four clear ways that Jesus in this section demonstrates his authority. We probably could add to this a little bit as we read on through the book of Mark, but I think these four are a good starting point. The first is this. Jesus has authority in teaching. The second, authority over demons. The third, authority to forgive sins. And the fourth, authority to heal. Authority in teaching, it, it, I already read it. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority. goes on in chapter 2, and, and they actually question Jesus on some things relating to the Sabbath. That's kind of a common theme. Jesus heals on the Sabbath. Jesus does some different things on the Sabbath, and, and they, they question that throughout his ministry. But Jesus, right at the beginning here in Mark, kind of sets the tone, saying that Jesus, even in his authority, he has the authority to interpret the law and what it means. In fact, he tells them that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath as part of his interpreting their law what they believe, because Jesus has authority to teach. Jesus has authority to teach. Number two, Jesus has authority over demons. Mark 1, 27, part of this 
the same kind of initial ministry after Jesus calls his disciples. We can continue reading down. Verse 23, verse says, Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone! What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. He has authority in his words and his teaching and interpreting scripture. He has authority over the demonic. In fact, that's not the only part here where he casts out a demon. That continues to be a common theme in his ministry and in these verses that we've read. Third thing, Jesus has authority to forgive sins. Dan Munt taught on this when he was here in chapter 2 about the man that comes to Jesus' house. Remember, it was Jesus' house. And he's not brought by his family like he probably should have been. He's brought by some others who take the roof off Jesus' house and lower him down in. And it's here that Jesus calls the, the, the boy, the man, calls him son. And then you come down towards the end, and because we've gone through this recently as a church, I won't give you all of the details here. But I want to point out that it's now here at the end that is they're questioning Jesus and some of his authority, that, that Jesus says, look, verse, or chapter 2, verse 10 says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. As you're going through the book of Mark, and really any time you're going through the gospel accounts, you really should probably highlight, underline, make a note in your Bible the different titles that are used by Jesus and then those that are used to describe Jesus. Here we have one of them, the Son of Man. One of those titles that's given to Jesus. Son of man probably is referring back to Daniel chapter 7. And the son of man that was prophesied that would come. Part of that son of man coming is vanquishing evil, putting evil back in its rightful place. But here the son of man is Jesus. And he says, has power on earth to forgive sins. Power is what it says in the New King James Version, but if you go back to the Greek, it's the same word that's used for authority in the other texts that we've read. Oftentimes those are used kind of interchangeably, but there is a difference between authority and power. Pastor Brent always used the example, really, of Uncle Rick. When he was working for the FBI, he had the authority as the badge for the FBI walking in. But the power was that gun, or at one point, that arsenal that was in the back of his vehicle. That was the power. There is here authority that Jesus has. It's different than the power. Here, the authority to forgive sins is what 
is noted. The authority. But the authority here is also what's tied. It says, because I have authority to forgive sins and to prove that, basically I'm going to heal him. So arise, take up your bed, go home. It doesn't specifically say Jesus has the authority to heal. The other cases it uses the word authority. He had authority in teaching, authority over the demons, authority to forgive sins, which is in Jesus' own words. But it's applied and described that he has the authority to heal because he has the authority to forgive sins. Four ways Jesus has authority. So the question often comes for many of us, does this authority continue today? Because Jesus really says, look, I have this authority, now I, I give it to my disciples. So I want you to jump with me to the end of the story. Jump with me to the end of Mark. Now, as you read through Mark, you'll see more examples of the authority of Jesus. One of those being he calms the storm, even nature obeys him. But as we jump to the end of the story, after Jesus has lived a sinless life, he has suffered that cruel death, the cross, to show how much he loved us. He's risen again, and he's about to ascend to the right hand of the Father, and he leaves some instructions at Mark 16, starting at verse 14. It says, later he appeared to the eleven. Judas, remember, betrayed him. Judas isn't there. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, So he rebukes them, but now he gives them the instructions. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It's interesting because the authority that Jesus demonstrates, really in the end, he passes on to the disciples. Do we really believe that that same authority continues with us today? Reading through Mark and really coming to the end of this, some of us may have some traditions, but if we're really coming and saying, look, what's the instruction that's here in Mark? What's, what's the instruction that's just given here in Mark? We would have to add in a bunch of other teaching, a bunch of other philosophy to say this probably doesn't apply to us today. We'd have to add in some of our own experiences. But just sticking the scripture because that's what's most important. It tells us, preach the gospel. Believe and be baptized. And if you do that, then these signs may follow. May? Am I reading that right? No, what does scripture say? These signs will follow those who believe. 
in my name, which I think means this. The authority really comes from the name of Jesus, but it's not just the name of Jesus. It's not just going out there and throwing around the name, because if not, let's be honest, everyone that's swearing in Jesus' name, kind of be funny to see if what they swore actually came to happen because it's in his name. It's not, it's not meaning that. It's really, I think, coming down to here, meaning more those who really are in his name, those who have this relationship with him, those that truly know him. Because, see, they believe they've been baptized. These, will, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will. And then what does it tell us they will? Cast out demons. Speak with new tongues. Take up serpents. They drink anything deadly, it by no means hurt them. Lay hands on the sick and they may recover. Now what does it say there? Will recover. Again, let's not go to our experience. Let's stick to scripture for a second because most of us are going to other experiences we have. We all can do that. But what does scripture say? They will recover. See, in Bible college, we, although you debate and go back and forth and, and look at different views on Scripture and different ways things are interpreted, sometimes it's hard to try to create a different interpretation, but oftentimes people try based on experiences. This is one of them, right? If, if we would go based on our, most of our experiences, how would we read this? We would probably say they may recover. They may. But again, what does Scripture say? Not experience. They will recover. It's pretty hard to come up with another interpretation for that word. They will recover. Does that create more questions? Yeah, it does for me. I think it's okay that it creates more questions, but if Scripture is authoritative for our life today, if it is God-breathed and we really believe that, we have to continue to come back to this and say, okay, my experience may not always line up with this, but this is what God's Word says. So this is what I believe. In my name, they will recover. So here's another question. If we have this authority, we have this power even, if we want to use that word, today, does it extend to every situation? Does it extend to every situation? Jesus had authority because he was the son of God. God's authority is different than humanity's. It arises from himself. Jesus, he is the son of God, therefore he has authority because he is the son of God. We as humans, if we believe and belong to Jesus, we, we have authority. It's delegated to us. Human authority is only ever delegated. Initially, it was delegated to us in some ways back in the garden. Today, it's delegated to us when we believe and belong to Jesus. I don't think, well, I don't know. I don't know if, Authority extends in every situation. I think here, these authorities that are specifically mentioned extend to us. But it doesn't say in here, although we see it happen with Jesus, that he calmed the storm. He clearly had authority 
We'll read those stories. You're familiar with them. That he calmed the storm. He had authority over creation. And yet here in this section, it doesn't say you walk out. You go out and we can say, snowstorm, be done. And it just will be finished. It doesn't say that authority. So I think we sometimes as believers go to other extremes, and we probably know friends that are like this, but then say, okay, all authority, although it kind of lists what authority is given, and they really take it to be in every situation, everything. So therefore, the authority is mine. Give me that BMW, that new Harley Davidson. Here, maybe here's a way to picture it. You have authority in your own home, but you don't always have authority in somebody else's home. Less of it's been delegated to you. There are situations where it applies and situations maybe where it doesn't. Another example. We don't really have authority over gravity. Some of us may wish we did because, let's be honest, flying would be really easy if we did. You ever thought of it that way? Kind of an interesting one. This verse tells us where we have authority, and one of them is, that is not listed is gravity. Be fun if it was. Because if I could just have authority over gravity, kind of mess around with that a little bit, flight would be pretty easy, I think. Couldn't I just float a little? But it's not. You're all so quiet right now. Are you really thinking? Or are you like, okay, all right, whatever. You pastor wants to fly. <laughs> I think we really have to think about this. We read where Jesus has authority, and we need to believe that. But we also have to read the text like this at the very end of the book that says some of that authority then is passed on to us. It's passed on to us. I think when we understand that, we interact with things a little differently. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. It tells me that you pray a little differently if you believe that. Typically, if this relates to authority, you know, my dad doesn't walk into his house and if you know my father, you really know he doesn't do this. And say, do I, do I have, asks us, do, do I have the authority to tell you what to do or not to do? No. My father walks in and tells us what he wants us to do, even today. Who turned the heat up? Turn it down. I'm not paying that bill. Grandpa's laughing because in his house it works the same way. Amen. Right? It's, there's a difference. It's his house. It's his authority. He doesn't ask it, walk in and ask for it. Well, if we really have this authority that's been given to us, when we pray, it says you'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I think it probably changes things when we pray for the sick. I think it turns into, thank you, Lord, that they will recover. Why would I walk in and ask, oh, Lord, if, if you will? It tells me right here. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. If that's what the will of the Lord clearly says in Scripture, why do I always pray the opposite of that? Why do I seek the opposite of that? 
if it is your will. It tells me right here what it is. But we all know why, let's be honest. Other experiences that we have. God is very much aware of those. And yet, though those may cause questions for every single one of us, we still come back to what does Scripture say. And I have a really hard time because I've been trying to see this differently. But when it says they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover, seems pretty simple even in Greek. So I think as we reflect on the authority of Jesus as we read Mark, as we reflect on the authority that's given to us, we really can follow part of the pattern that we see here at the beginning of Mark. The pattern is this. We need to proclaim the good news. That includes the authority of Jesus and really all areas of life that he has. It's proclaiming the good news in the areas that authority that God has even given us. It's believing, it's following after Jesus as we proclaim that gospel, that good news. It's believing it, it's following him, it's belonging to him. And it's also allowing the signs to follow. Allow the signs to follow you and me. Do we allow the signs to follow us or do we just go to experiences? We have to go to, I believe, what Scripture says. Still okay to ask questions. Still okay. But because we have questions, because other experiences we have don't align with it, doesn't mean we come with a pen thinking we get to edit what God's Word says. To drive us even deeper into relationship with God. That's what it really is the purpose. Come and let's go deeper. God, why? It's okay to ask that. Remember, Jesus asked it at the cross. Why? Why? Let's go ask worship team to go ahead and make their way up here. As they do that, will you put that uh, verse back up on the screen? Will you repeat with me on the count of three? We're not going to read the whole verse, but let us repeat the highlighted phrases there. So preach the gospel. Believe and is baptized. These signs will follow. Can you repeat that with me on the count of three? One, two, three. Preach the gospel. Believes and is baptized. These signs will follow. Will you stand with us as we sing a concluding song this morning? Thank you for listening to SBCC Weekly. We hope you'll subscribe to this podcast as well as give us a like. You can visit us again online at www.sangamonvalley.net.